you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we've got a cool guest coming on for a pretty intriguing conversation. It is Matt Zawaski. He is the host of the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast covering the Chicago White Sox. And, uh, you know, we got into a conversation last week about, uh, you know, what the White Sox would do at outfield after losing Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert to potentially season-ending injuries, and the name Anthony Santander came up. So we got to talking and all of a sudden turned this into a podcast episode. What would that trade look like if the White Sox came after Santander and what their package would be back to Baltimore in that kind of trade? So that is coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and you can join me later today, this afternoon, to get in on the action on an Orioles off day conversation, talk a little minor leagues and uh, preview a little bit the series coming up against the Yankees. That's all on the Locker Room app, changing the way we talk sports. So the Orioles, you know, they did lose 7-1 to to the Mets yesterday as they were swept in that two-game series at City Field. It was definitely disappointing to see what happened to Matt Harvey, you know, his, his much-anticipated return, uh, the Dark Knight back to Flushing, and uh, he allowed seven runs on eight hits over four and a third innings. Did strike out four and just walk one, uh, but it was a bit of a blow-up start and definitely was Matt Harvey's worst start in an Oriole uniform, but not much else to talk about besides that from the game, so we are just going to get right into our conversation again with Matt Zawaski. He is the host of the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. It covers Chicago baseball, the White Sox and the Cubs. He is the White Sox part of that pod. He is also big on White Sox Twitter, and uh, we wanted to get into it. What would a trade look like between the White Sox and the Orioles for Anthony Santander? We get into the prospects that could be involved and why the White Sox need an outfielder so bad and why the Orioles would be willing to trade Santander. So it's all coming up right now with Matt Zawaski. You know, Matt, we uh, we hadn't really followed each other before last week um, until a, a conversation started uh, with Herb Lawrence as well, the host of, of Locked on White Sox here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And just a little chat about, you know, after the Luis Robert injury, you know, the, the White Sox looking for an outfielder. And we talked about Anthony Santander and all of a sudden we've turned this into a podcast appearance. So first of all, thank you so much for uh, helping to make this happen. I appreciate it. And uh, Herb, if you're listening, I appreciate you uh, connecting us here. Herb's a great guy. Uh, you know, we have a lot of fun. I'm White Sox Twitter. We've both been on each other's shows and it's, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, I think that was day one. And that was full panic mode. So, yes, trades were being tossed out left and right. And I'm, you know, we're a week later now, and I still think this is the guy that the White Sox should go after. So, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting time now to talk about it, too, because Santander's on the injured list, which means he, you know, is not upping his trade value right now. It's probably lowering a little bit because, you know, when he got injured, uh, a few weeks back in Miami kind of went really awkwardly back into first base on a pickoff throw. Um, it kind of looked like, you know, an ankle injury. Uh, it looked bad at the time, but then, you know, they said it was just a sprain. And so the thought was, you know, 10 day, 10 day IL, maybe he misses a full two weeks and then he's good, but that timeline has kind of been extended and extended more. So this trade probably wouldn't happen. I would assume until he's healthy again, because, you know, the, the White Sox want a healthy player and the Orioles want to maximize that value. But 
let's first talk about, you know, the obvious reasons why we're here, why the White Sox are looking for outfielders, because Aloy Jimenez went down and they hung up his jersey. Um, and then Luis Robert went down, which is what uh, stemmed this. So my first question is kind of what are the White Sox doing in the outfield now? And uh, has the, the last week without Robert made it more or less apparent that they need another outfielder? So it's a weird situation because it's more apparent, but they're in a winning streak and they've taken over first place. Um, we just, the White Sox just swept the Royals, which Casey was, they just basically needed to be reminded that they're Kansas city. Um, and the White Sox promptly did that. And then a uh, struggling twins team has now limped into the South side of Chicago. White Sox took game one, game two is about to start right after uh, we get done recording here, but the White Sox, and you know, it's, as soon as Robert went down, the, the, the initial reaction was panic because yes, we did. Aloy went down on some stupid, stupid injury, but it was for that. It was just kind of a matter of time. If you, if you ever watch any of the white Sox games, Aloy is a huge goofball in left field. He likes to dive into the nets and swing like a hammock. And the play he got injured on was a fly ball that was 10 rows up, but he still jumped at the wall and he hung his arm over the wall and basically like ripped his arm out of the socket. Um, and then the Luis Robert one was scary. It was a non-contact. He was just trying to run out an infield single like he does. But the whole south side of this great city just gasped at the same time. And, you know, to lose two-thirds of your outfield going into a season with very high expectations this early in a year, is it's a, I, I think Herb actually referred to it, and I did as well, as a gut punch. It, it was a gut punch. Um, Tony LaRusse is getting creative. I don't like it. I don't think it's sustainable. Um, right now you have guys like uh, Billy Hamilton, um, Lurie Garcia, uh, Danny Mendick. He's never played a game in the outfield before. Played right field. Actually had a great game. Hit a home run. Danny Mendick's a baseball player. And when I say that, I mean, he's a guy that wants to be in the show so bad that they could be like, Danny, we need you to pitch for two innings, play center field, and then catch for three innings. He'd be like, all right, let's go. So they threw him out in right field. Didn't make any mistakes hit a home run. Um, White Sox top prospect, Andrew Vaughn, best pure hitter in the draft, drafted to be the heir apparent to Jose Abreu, was supposed to be the DH this year. Yeah, guess who's our starting left fielder now? And he hasn't made any mistakes, though. Uh, he takes some questionable routes to the ball, made a great diving catch, but uh, let's just say a, a little quicker, a little fleet of foot outfielder probably makes that catch standing up. But he made the catch. He hasn't made any real mistakes, knock on wood, in left field, and his bat's starting to come alive. And then the White Sox are getting bailed out a little bit by the uh, the new phenom known as German Mercedes. Yeah, and uh, a former Orioles uh, minor league uh, farm system guy, German Mercedes, he had been around yeah, uh, before getting to Chicago. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because, you know, he was never, you know, oh. a guy who anyone in Baltimore considered, you know, getting – to the major leagues. You're just kind of the system guy. And it's so cool to see like our, our, our people, you know, the broadcasters and media people who are still in double a uh, who were there when, when Mercedes was there just talking about how like no one thought back then this would happen, but like everybody loved him back then and, you know, could not be happier um, for him having success. But, you know, here they are with, with Andrew Vaughn playing left field, as you mentioned. And, and obviously, you know, if, if he works out there, that's great. And then, you know, they can put him back at, at DH when, you know, next season or, or put him at first base or wherever. But, you know, this is where a guy like Anthony Santander comes in. And, you know, it's an interesting situation because 
you know, he had been a rule five pick that the Orioles took from Cleveland a couple of years ago. And he had looked like a fourth outfielder basically at, at the major league level for a while. And then in the 2020, you know, uh, shortened season after he'd had a solid 2019, you know, he'd gotten a chance to start every day and, and he looked pretty good. Then in 2020, he just took off for the Orioles. And, you know, if it weren't for an oblique injury that kept him out of those last 20 games of 2020, I mean, it, it could have been, you know, where he w- was, you know, maybe, you know, getting close to some MVP votes where he was, he was playing last year. But the issue is he ends up with a 37 game sample size. So in the shortened season, when you lose 20 games, you just never know. The Orioles were apparently chatting with the Marlins this offseason about a potential trade because the Orioles have their own kind of outfield crunch going right now. They have Cedric Mullins, who just continues to hit. They have uh, Santander was there. Obviously, they have Austin Hayes, who's been fantastic. And then they have kind of too many first base DH types. So they had to move Ryan Mountcastle, one of their top prospects, uh, who you know was one of the vote getters in AL Rookie of the Year last year. They had to move him to the outfield. And so there were only so many at-bats to go around. And so whenever Santander returns from his injury, it's going to be a crunch for the Orioles. And I think more people are going to continue to talk about the Santander trade because that's been the guy who's been brought up in trade rumors. So Mm -hmm. this is where we get here because, you know, the White Sox, I'm sure would love a switch hitting outfielder who has some power, who last year before last year was not known as a good defender. Then all of a sudden he finishes top three in gold glove uh, running in the AL and right field last year. He, you know, is pretty equal right field to left field defensively. And he's not a great center fielder, but he has played center and he can go out there as well. And so the question becomes, you know, what would a White Sox team be willing to part with just in general? And we can get into specific guys as well, but just in general to get a player like this, who is a starting caliber outfielder who is young, but has never played a 162 game season, has struggled with injuries, and you still don't exactly know who he is. So the the big thing is I actually I was checking the Twitter timeline to confirm because I have a Twitter problem and I tweet way too much, but um, I wanted him before they signed it at a meeting. Like I, I, I actively was like, go get this guy before they signed Adam Eaton. I did not like the Adam Eaton signing. It turned out to be okay. He's getting a lot of RBIs. He still can't hit left-handed or yeah, left-handed pitching. He's struggling mightily, but the other Adam, Adam Engel is supposedly coming back later this month. And there's your platoon in right field for the White Sox. But ideally what I would want from uh, Anthony here is uh, maybe stick him in right field and have Eaton and Engel play center field. Cause they're a little faster and, you know, uh, Santander, um, like you said, he finished top three in gold glove, but I just think this guy's a great fit. And I don't know how familiar you are with the white Sox or your listener bases. Look at the white Sox roster. It's uh, a lot of guys South of the border on the white Sox. And they've created this culture where players from Venezuela, uh, Cuba, they they're actively going, seeking out the white Sox, like uh, the top, um, prospect right now, Colas, he's his IG every other day is him live wearing socks gear top to bottom. That's kind of not an if, but a when, but they've created this awesome culture and that's a lot of credit to Jose Abreu. So I just think he's a great fit for this team. This team is dead last in the league in home runs right now. Like you said, he's got pop from both sides of the plate. They need a more lefty bats. It just works. And because it just works. And I hope this doesn't come across horribly but the injury is going to help the White Sox 
in this negotiation um, and the small sample size. But the White Sox team, as constructed, we got Jose Abreu, and then we have like Nick Madrigal and Andrew Vaughn starting. So we have all walks of career uh, playing right now, starting for the White Sox. And I think you mentioned on Twitter that the GM in Baltimore there has a thing for uh, pitching. And the good news is White Sox got a pretty decent stable of horses when it comes to that. Um, You know, we're very, 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 very early in the MILB season. Um, But kind of what we were talking about earlier about Yerman Mercedes being in the minor leagues forever. White Sox got this guy, Micker Adolfo. He's been in Birmingham, Alabama, which is their double-A affiliate for, it seems like, 56 years. Um, But he's coming out of the gate hot. He's already got two home runs. Um, But if you want to focus on pitching, let's take a trip down to uh, Kannapolis, my friend. That's the White Sox A-plus affiliate, the Kannapolis Cannonballers. New team this year, but that's where you're going to find a lot of the arms that have the most value for the Orioles right now. So we will get to that Anthony Santander trade talk in just a second, but first, got to tell you about Locker Room, as this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app, free to download it, and then you just make an account. You can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'm hosting rooms for Locked On Orioles basically every Thursday, and you can join in on the action. You have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Orioles podcast through our Locker Room conversations. And again, make sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a room later today, sometime Thursday afternoon, right around 4 p.m. Eastern time to talk the Orioles week so far and talk a little bit of Orioles minor league baseball as well during the Orioles off day today. So go download the free locker room app now available on all iOS devices. Make sure to create a profile, link your Twitter and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Connor Newcomb to be notified when my room goes live. So see you there at Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Now, chain stores, they have a different price tier for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. But at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And best of all, as I mentioned before, RockAuto.com, reliably low prices every single time you go. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Yeah, and and it's interesting because, you know, I did mention on Twitter that Mike Elias, you know, he's made a good amount of trades since taking over uh, after the 2018 season for this Orioles team. And he's kind of targeted a lot of, you know, in his recent trades, a lot of 2019 draft picks. He's kind of targeted guys where, you know, he reports would come out after the trades where it was Elias was targeting this guy in the 19 draft, didn't get him where he wanted him. And he goes and trades for him a year and a half later. And then, you know, what he's been doing a lot is actually drafting hitters and trading for pitchers is what he's been doing as far as younger guys go. 
And, you know, so it is interesting. So kind of my, my question, you know, you talk about heading down to Kannapolis. Do you think that for a player like Santander, say he comes back healthy and he's looking, you know, pretty solid again in right field for the Orioles, you know, come June and he, and he has a pretty good June and come July, the White Sox are really considering this. Do you think they are willing to part with any of their top 10 prospects at the moment uh, to get a Santander guy who, you know, is going to be a starter for you for, you know, a long time because he's you know right. under contract for a while. Oh, okay. That was my next question to you, because if you go on, uh, Spotrek, it looks like he's only locked up for this year and then he's got his arm. He's got three years of arbitration. So my next question to you was just what does his contract look like? Because that's going to be uh, we call him, you know, Uncle Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox. You might have seen him uh, when you were growing up as Scrooge McDuck. Um, he, he's got those crocodile arms. He doesn't reach into those pockets very deep. So uh what is uh, Santander? I mean, I know he's making 2.1 this year, and then it looks like he's eligible for ARB2 next year. Um, so is he on the one-year deal right now? or? Yeah, so he's on the, the one-year $2.1 million deal, and then, and then the arbitration um, again next year, and then a free agent in 2025. And, and, you know, he's been a really interesting, at least he was this year, kind of arbitration case because of – he has still never played a full season. Right. So the shortened season kind of treated him in a different way because, you know, when you go from a 162 to a 60 game sample for guys, it's different. But for him, it was like a 90 game sample to a 37 game sample. And so he's probably underpaid at 2.1 million just because of the injury he had and the shorter season. So, you know, we'll see what he would potentially get um, in arbitration, but you know, if he continues to have injuries, as you talked about, you know, that's going to bring down that number. Um, And I can't imagine he will take too huge of a jump for at least his 2022 salary. So at the very least, you know, if the White Sox are looking for a guy for at least this year and next year, um, you know, it it would definitely be affordable. Do you, do you think, you know, if that's the case and he's still pretty affordable, at least, you know, through this year and next year, do you think they would, because you know, the the White Sox top 10, at least on MLB.com is interesting because their top two guys um, are about to graduate are, you know, in the, in the major leagues yeah. Andrew Vaughn and Garrett Crochet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, you know, a, a few triple a guys, um, you know, that are, that are close, uh, you know, Blake Rutherford is in there. Uh, Jonathan Stever, who just pitched against the, the Orioles triple a team last night is in there. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have a bunch of younger guys as well. Do you think they'd be willing, you know, you mentioned Adolfo, uh, who's in that top 10, do you think <laughs> they're willing to part with any of those top 10 guys? So just, Taking all the things into consideration that we talked about, uh, Jared Kelly, Jared Kelly's off the books. I don't think he, uh, he was considered a very big steal for the White Sox in the 2023 draft for the fact that he was still there in the second round, uh, high school arm. He's just getting his feet wet right now in Kannapolis. Um, obviously Cespedes, they're not going to touch, but depending on the contract, I think you're looking at a deal like a, a Jonathan Stever, um, and then basically pick one of Adolfo Rutherford and Gonzalez. Cause you want to talk about a traffic jam. That's three guys vying for a backup backup spot. And obviously the, the people in Baltimore's front office knows that too. So they're probably going to go, we're going to need you to sweeten this pot a little bit. And then that's when you get down the list a little bit more and you get to, you know, some of the, I mean, Vera's not going to, they're not going to touch him. They just got him. Um, they want to see what they have, but like, 
they've given Zach Birdie some chances. I don't know what Baltimore's bullpen looks like, but Birdie was two years ago. He was tagged as the White Sox closer of the future. Uh, had Tommy John. He's a short arm pitcher. And then obviously they went and very uncharacteristically spent a boatload of money on Liam Hendricks. So Birdie's, you know, he's backed up. So I think you're looking more at guys like that, uh, or, you know, you can probably throw a Jimmy Lambert in there. Um, but just to be clear to your listeners, Stever, Birdie, Lambert, and those three outfielders that I mentioned, they're, we like to call them, they're four A guys. They're the guys right. like stuck in that triple A to major league limbo right now. And any one of those guys easily, and I'm not just, this is a hypothetical trade. So why would I just lie right now? But any one of these guys, if given a legit shot on a team like Baltimore or a team that, you know, has no problem getting some of these guys out there to see what they got. They can easily turn into, you know, I won't say a diamond in a rough. I'm not going to build these guys up that big, but they can turn into a serviceable player. Um, And I mean, I think that they would, the White Sox would have to, it wouldn't just be like a two for one type deal. They would need to put three or four prospects together to get Anthony just to make this worth the while. And I mean, the cool thing is, that we can actually even bring into play a little bit is um, I was reading according to the, the proposed new CP, uh, CBA that the, the players association, they want MLB to be able to start trading draft picks. Now there's something now, that throws a whole wrench into this. So that's something to keep an eye out for. And I mean, then if you want to keep scrolling down, you got guys like Caleb Freeman, Tyler, Tyler Johnson. I think Tyler Johnson's going to be good. Uh, MLB.com has him listed at their 22nd ranked prospect. He's a right-handed pitcher right now. Uh, he's in AAA. I think Tyler Johnson's going to be good. At the very minimum, I think he's a bull, MLB bullpen arm. So maybe that's the kind of guy. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, we could probably – I could see the White Sox packaging two to three pitchers and then throwing one of those three outfielders in a deal. Yeah, and, and for the Orioles, you know, they will definitely take those, those 4A guys. But, you know, they're also going to look a little deeper into the system just because – you know, they are, they're not going to compete probably in 2022, you know, our goal year over here in Baltimore is 2023, probably to be back um, to competing. So they're still okay with taking some younger prospects, but a guy like Stever, you know, that's a guy uh, when I was at Maryland, I saw pitch at Indiana a lot um, and was, was very impressed by him and, and would love to have him uh, watch him pitch a little bit last night in his, uh, his triple A start against Norfolk um, would love to have him in the system. Um, and you know, that would be kind of interesting. And, and Zach Birdie is interesting. You know, he's 26. So it throws you off a little bit, but Mike Elias has liked to get these guys who were kind of hyped up in people's systems. And then were either passed over or maybe, you know, the team got a little better than they thought like the white Sox, and they went and spent, um, he traded for a guy, Jemai Jones from the angel system, uh, in the off season, who was the former angels, number one prospect, and then just kind of got passed over at the second base position. Mm-hmm. And Michael Elias went and got him and he is going to probably be in the big leagues by, you know, the June 1st for the Orioles. So birdie is definitely a guy who kind of falls into that category. So I'm looking at Stever and, and birdie, and then probably, you know, uh, Michael Elias loves to just pick somebody out of, uh, the Dominican Summer League. We would really have no idea who that was. So we have that a would lot be. of that. So let's let's throw one of those guys in there. Um, and so at at Birdie Stever, um, and maybe a you know younger prospect who's more at the single A level and, and I got the you know, guy. 
is much lower in the top 30. So go for that. So we got the the Dominican summer league guy. We got Stever, we got birdie. And then if you threw in a a low, you know, a a younger prospect in there, Michael Elias might, uh, might bite or fake Michael Elias who's being played by me today (laughs) might bite on that. So there's one name that I'm going to say right now that, Anyone from White Sox Twitter, because obviously I'm going to tweet this show out to the White Sox Twitter land, but don't get mad at me for saying this name, but Bryce Bush. Okay. He's in uh, a plus right now. He was drafted in 2023. He's 21 years old, six feet tall, 200 pounds, righty, righty. The kid can fly. And he's like, um, how do I say this? It's like a hipster White Sox prospect. Like, Bryce Bush is my guy. Like right. that's what people like that cool pay, guys like him. Exactly. But in the same sentence, I would say people that pay attention, people whose opinion on the farm system, I respect like him. Um, and then there's another one, you know, James Beard is a name that people like to throw around a lot. And then finally one that's a little bit more unknown. He's really young. He's 20 years old. Um, Chase Krogman. Now those are the guys that judging, just going off of the description that you just said, they're a little bit, they're a couple of years out. And uh, I really don't see Han moving Bush. Like he's, yeah, but uh, Beard and uh, Krogman, that I could see possibly if that needs to be the cherry on top to get this done. And that, and again, there's a couple of things that we're pending this on. We're pending on potential contract, injury, and where the White Sox are come the trade deadline. Because I'll tell you right now that if, the trade deadline was tomorrow and the White Sox is White Sox are rolling, you know, Hamilton out in center field or Larry Garcia out in center field. That's not going to cut it come the playoffs. And I mean, Hamilton and Garcia are fantastic role players. Hamilton is one of the best pitch base runners in the league. And Larry Garcia is a guy for, you know, the Sunday getaway game. He can play any position on the field. I'm Danny Mendick playing right field. Isn't going to cut it either. So I think that those that's the type of deal that the White Sox would pull the trigger to get a guy like Santander to take them. They're going for it, man. I mean, they're in first place in May. I can tell you right now, the buzz on the South side is, I don't want to say it feels like 2005, but with this pitching staff we're rocking right now, it's we're feeling pretty good right now. And uh, if they have a window and they have an opportunity to go for it, I would look for the White Sox to be, you know, big time buyers at the trade deadline. So we'll get back to the Locked On Orioles podcast in just a second. But first, got to tell you about Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about it? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level, like Robin Hood, but for fantasy sports. The platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sports Trade, pretty simple. Player value rises and fall based on two categories. One, statistical performance, and two, good old supply and demand. So simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then just sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports, and frankly, you'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sportstrade.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We got baseball season in full swing as we're getting into May here. You can track all that action 
over at Bet Online. But it's not just baseball. You can get your NBA news, your NHL news, and your UFC and MMA action and odds as well over at BetOnline.ag. So f- before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out all the sign-up bonuses and contest information over there as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON only at betonline.ag. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's say Santander comes back. Uh, let's say June, you know, last week of May, he's back. He puts together five weeks through May and June where he is looking pretty similar to the 2020 breakout Santander. Mm-hmm. If we put together this package of Stever, who's a, you know, a, a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher, number six prospect, uh, you throw in Birdie, a 26-year-old right-hander, number 13 prospect, and we throw in our, our Dominican Summer League guy, whoever, Mike Elias, you know, has his scouts find that, that nobody's going to know for another five years. Um, and then, you know, if Santander is playing to that level and it takes a Bryce Bush in there too, I think that package of four players, um, if Santander is looking like a, a good everyday right fielder for this team, you think, because uh, I, I, I would like to get Orioles Twitter reaction to that when I put out this episode, but do you right. think that uh, that would fly on the South side? I think fans will be pissed. And, you, and I'll tell you why, Connor. <laughs> we are very cautious to see Rick Hahn deal lesser known players because there's a guy that wasn't even on the main field. He was on the secondary field. I know where you're going. No with one this. was paying attention to that. They threw in for a trade. Your listeners might've heard of him. He goes by the name of Fernando Tatis jr. Yes. He was in the white Sox farm system. He was shagging balls for the, some of these guys that we mentioned. Nobody knew what he was. And then they traded him for James Shields, who did nothing for the – well, I shouldn't say nothing, but he didn't do anything that Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing. That's for darn sure. Um, so White Sox fans were a little you know, a little hesitant when it comes to seeing a guy like Bryce Bush, who we think has potential, you know, being dealt because the Tatis Jr. thing will never go away. It will never go it, – it hurt the White Sox so bad that they went down and they, they signed his little brother. He's in our system now and got to try again. Yeah. Well, apparently Papa Tati says the little brother's going to be better than Fernando, but of course he's going to say that, but um, yeah. So we're very, very gun shy when it comes to that. And that's just from a fan perspective, you know, I, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are very professional. Kenny Williams has been doing this forever. Rick Hahn is, you know, he takes a lot of heat here in Chicago, but if you look at the team he's put together, like this is his, masterpiece is coming together you can't plan for injuries like what's happened um i mean this team at full strength right now would be an absolute juggernaut but ifs and buts you know what i mean um but yeah i i think i think they do it i think they i don't know if we'd have to see uh actually right before we jumped on here Aloy's on instagram live laying on his bed dancing saying don't worry chicago i'll be back soon so some of that comes into play timelines on Aloy and Robert because Robert didn't need uh, his diagnosis turned out to be a little bit better than what people thought. It's still, he's, I mean, we're talking, when I'm talking about this, I'm saying 
it's like September for these guys. So like right. we're talking about June, July, they're still going to need that extra bump. And um, depending on what the Orioles ask for, I, I definitely see this being a very real thing for the White Sox in Baltimore to pull the trigger on. It could, it could definitely work for both sides. And it's, it's, it's always fun to, to play GM, but Matt, thank you so much uh, for joining the pod to, uh, as we both sit in as the Orioles and White Sox GMs <laughs> and, you know, we'll see if this trade happens, but it was interesting to see, you know, White Sox fans, you know, kind of be, you know, on Santander and, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, it helps that he had been floated out there in trade rumors before. So you kind of know he's somewhat available as well. Um, and it, it could definitely work out for both sides because the Orioles have so many young players that, you know, he's a guy who even, you know, if he's performing might be squeezed out by the time they get to contention again anyway. Uh, so this could work out for both sides, but Matt, thanks again. Let everybody know where uh, they can find you and uh, find your podcast as well before we get going here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Southside Zoe, and then the podcast is at Pinwheels IV Pod. Uh, we're on Spotify, new episode every Friday morning, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, anywhere you find a podcast, you can find us. And uh, we actually do our show live on Thursday nights on Twitter. We love fan interaction. Uh, you come in and just tell me how handsome I am. That's a pretty popular comment. It's not, but let's try to get that being a thing. Um, so, but Connor, I think this is great. Um, you know, maybe when uh, the White Sox and Baltimore got an upcoming series, we'll have you on. Uh, I love it when intercity shows jump on each other and get a different, fresh, fresh, fresh perspective. Um, so, yeah, man, thank you so much for having me on. And who knows, maybe uh, we'll be talking again in June, July, because we'll be like, dude, we called this, you know, <laughs> so I would love for that to happen. We'll be getting calls from each front office uh, talking about <laughs> who was who your mole that you knew exactly what this trade was going to be. All right. Thank you, Connor. So our thanks again to Matt Zawaski again at Southside Zoe on Twitter for joining the pod to talk about what that potential White Sox Orioles trade could look like for Anthony Santander. And, you know, I wanted to get in, obviously, that the Orioles would definitely be looking to add a Dominican Summer League player in there um, because, uh, well, we we know Mike Elias likes to do that with his trades. You know, interesting names that we kind of settled on. You know, Jonathan Stever, a little bit older, 24-year-old right-hander, uh, was a pretty high pick. Um, out of Indiana a couple of years ago it was a fifth round pick in 2018. Uh, but frankly, you know, he was a guy who looked like a first round pick at one point uh, at Indiana, then fell uh, down in the draft a little bit because of physical concerns. Um, but he's got really good stuff. Fastball 92 to 96 tops at 98. And he could be, you know, probably major league ready by 2022 for the Orioles. Uh, Zach Birdie was an interesting one. Not my favorite piece in the deal, uh, but he still does have good stuff. He was a first round pick back in 2016. He is 26 years old, but he kind of falls in that Michael Elias category we talked about. You know, he got Tommy John in 2017. He was a former, you know, higher ranked prospect. He still ranked 13th in the White Sox system, but has fallen down a little bit and kind of falls into that Jemai Jones camp where it's, you know, he gets passed over in the White Sox system, bring him over to the Orioles system, and then uh, definitely Bryce Bush. You know, he was the 24-ranked prospect in the system, uh, a 21-year-old outfielder who is in high A right now. He was a 33rd-round pick back in 2018, um, but he was, you know, really a big find. You know, he was only taken that low because everybody thought he was going to go to Mississippi State. The White Sox took him out of high school. Uh, they gave him $300,000 as a signing bonus. He signed, and all he has done uh, is hit throughout the White Sox minor league system, uh, and he has continued to do that in high A Winston-Salem this year. Uh, so definitely some interesting names that we talked about. 
If you uh, don't like the trade, if you love the trade, our hypothetical trade, obviously there hasn't even really been rumors really connecting Santander and the White Sox, but it's definitely a possibility with the outfield needs that they have. So if you like the trade, let us know. If you don't, let us know um, on Twitter at LockedOnOrioles or at Connor Newcomb underscore. Uh, you can also submit questions about you know the trade or questions about the Orioles as well as we are planning to do a mailbag episode on the pod tomorrow. So again, you can submit your questions on Twitter at LockedOnOrioles or at Connor Newcomb underscore. You can tweet to us or DM either account. The DMs are open. Or email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com and we will get to your questions on a mailbag episode right before we do go um, do have to tell you about another podcast here on the locked on podcast network and that is the locked on today podcast and today on the locked on today podcast when and where will the oakland athletics move to that's the question of the day get more of the sports news you need in less time with the locked on today podcast follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your pods So we will be back with you tomorrow with a Mailbag Friday edition of the podcast. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.